you know, one of the things that's been going on in our church in the last year is, is we, at the beginning of the year, talked about um, kind of a, a, a direction and a vision for this year and some of the things that God laid on my heart. And at the beginning of every year, um, we have a, a church uh, dinner together here in the sanctuary um, where we eat good food and then we, we talk about where we're going for this next year. And, and this year is rapidly coming to an end, believe it or not. It's, it's amazing how fast time seems to be going by. And, um, but this last year, we've been focusing in on our community. And the Bible talks about how the disciples were sent out and they went into Judea, from Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth, spreading the gospel message and discipling, uh, uh, making disciples for Christ. And the Lord laid it on my heart that we've, we have done, um, God's used this fellowship amazing ways of, of I, I look at it kind of this ripple effect, like when you throw a rock into the middle of a, a pond and there's the ripples that go out. Um, over the, the years that we've been here since we planted the church, there's been this ripple effect into our community and beyond. Um, we planted a church in Pueblo. We're planting a church in New Mexico through Isaac and Amy. We started a U-Turn for Christ ministry, which is a, um, a ministry of, of restoration for those who have uh, struggles with uh, drug and alcohol addiction and other addictions, and, and they're now in Colorado Springs. And, and we've even gone further as we have missionaries in many different places all over the world. Most recently, the missionaries Darwin and Annie that we've started supporting in Peru and the work that's going on there. Um, but as we've gone out, it, feels as, it felt a little bit as if the foundation back here was supporting a lot. And so God gave this, uh, this vision to me through that passage of Scripture where our Jerusalem, which is our county, our, our city, our, our community here, our church, that we would spend this next, this last year, really pouring into our community and, and into our church and strengthening that foundation that God has established. And then again, that ripple effect would go back out from there and even to a greater way. And we've done that this year, and we were able to, to bring Curtis on staff as the associate pastor and youth pastor, and Justin has recently come on staff as well uh, with uh, worship and also the director with the bridge ministry, and then, of course, really pouring into the bridge ministry, the youth ministry there, and seeing God grow, and, and other things that God's done as we've reached out into our community and strengthened our Jerusalem. But I point all of that out because one of the things that God reminded me of this last few weeks is, is we, can be, we don't ever want to become a church of programs. We don't. We want to continue to be a church of ministry. And, and we're not a program-based church, even though there are a lot of ministries that God has raised up through this fellowship and that you are all taking opportunities to serve in and to donate to and, and um, to give your offerings and tithes to and then also be in prayer for. Um, but, but at the core of what we do in regards to the ministries and the good works that God calls us to, at the core of it is always this right here. It's this time together as we have this mutual love for God and relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we get to come together on, on, on Sunday mornings and also on Wednesday, evening, Wednesday evenings when we study the word of God and, and have like-mindedness through the, through the unity that we have in Jesus Christ, really what we're doing is we're coming together ultimately to have fellowship with Christ and fellowship with one another in him. And by that, we come together to be refreshed, to be renewed, to praise God, to give him thanks, to worship him, to hear what he has for us. Because, you know what, we just don't pursue righteousness, we pursue the one who is righteous. And that's what we get to do together. And when we do that with one another, when we lock arms on a Sunday morning and fellowship together and worship together and are strengthened and encouraged in this mutual faith that we have, you know what it does? Then it gives us that, that fire, that passion, that empowering through the Holy Spirit to do the work that God's called us to do, to walk in those good works that he's appointed for us. And so Sunday mornings are such a blessing. They're so important. And, and if we don't remember that this is the focal point for, for how God sends us out, then we'll just turn into this, this program-based organization and, and it'll be no different than anything else in the world. And there'll be no power and there'll be no fruit. And so, so guys, value this time that we get to have together. Let the Lord speak to you or let him encourage you. Let him strengthen you and, and let him send you out 
in a way that you can be equipped and ready for the things that he has for you. And I pray that that, that, that would happen this morning as we study his word and as we, we get understanding um, through the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit teaches us and speaks through me, I pray so that we can hear and discern what God has for us again this morning. So um, if you bow your heads with me in prayer, I'll pray and then we'll, we'll read and go through this chapter. Lord, that is my request, God, that as we come to your word, as we hear it and receive it into our hearts, to our minds, as we meditate on it, Lord, we pray, God, that you would give us understanding, spiritual understanding and knowledge of who you are. God, that we would be strengthened in the inner man and in the inner woman for the works that you've called us to do, for the life that you've called us to live. Father, as we continue to walk in faith and put our trust in you, Lord, we um, believe in you. We believe that um, your word is living and powerful and is applicable for our lives today. We believe your word, uh, the Bible, to be truth. And I pray, God, that we would not harden our hearts ever against the truth, that we would not suppress the truth in our own lives, but, God, that we would be um, receivers and doers and that we would be the light on the hill, the salt to the earth. And, God, so strengthen us again this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we begin this next chapter, chapter 9, what we're coming up to is this fifth plague, 5 of 10, that we will read about in total. And it's a, it's a plague of pestilence is what we're going to read about. Uh, a disease that um, God sent to kill the livestock of Egypt. Which, by the way, was more destructive than the first four plagues. And as Pharaoh continued to resist God by refusing to let his people go, we see that each of the remaining six plagues that, that will follow, including with this fifth one here and then the, and then the five after that, and if each one of these plagues, there's going to be a growing in intensity. There's an, a, it, they intensify as they bring an even greater destruction. But it's important for us to understand that, so important for us to understand, that the destruction of Egypt was not the reason for why God sent these plagues. It wasn't like God was looking down on Egypt and saw his people's bondage and heard their cries and go, oh, I'm going to get those guys. I'm going to get those Egyptians. That Pharaoh, he's a bad guy, and I'm going to make him pay. I'm going to make him suffer. That wasn't God's heart or his desire or his purpose. And so, rather than the destruction of Egypt, um, what we see is that the, as, as, as a purpose or a reason for the plagues, what we see as we continue to go through this and look at Pharaoh's resistance to God's will and God's plan, what we see is that the destruction of Egypt, which will be proclaimed here in this chapter by Pharaoh's officials, was really a sad consequence that came as a result of Pharaoh's proud and hard heart. It came as a result of Pharaoh's unwillingness to submit to God's will and to let the Israel, Israelites go. In light of this, we see that these plagues were designed to serve the purpose primarily of setting the Hebrew people free from their Egyptian bondage. But because each plague was a visual demonstration of the, mighty, uh, the might and of the power of God, we also see that these plagues, all ten of them, served additional purposes as they were specifically engineered or even designed by God to discredit or to bring light to the fact that the gods of Egypt were false gods. And before the tenth and final plague, God would even declare this in chapter 12, verse 12, when he said, I will bring judgment on all of the gods of Egypt. And because this is evident, um, because of this, it's evident that the plagues which manifested these powers or this power of God, it revealed ultimately that the God of the Hebrews, the one that Moses came declaring that, 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 that um, God was asking or demanding that his people would be set free, this God of the Hebrews, what was going on is, is that through this power being revealed, God was manifesting himself to be the one and true living God. And as these Egyptian gods were proven to be false, we also see the weakness of Pharaoh. Through these 
mighty acts of God, we see the weakness of Pharaoh. And that's important because remember, Pharaoh, perhaps at this time, probably at this time, globally speaking, was the most powerful man on the planet, Egypt being a great nation. And so we see the weakness of Pharaoh as a ruler, but also as a god, because the Hebrew people or the, the Egyptian people considered their Pharaoh to be a god, but the weaknesses of him as a ruler and as a god was also exposed when the powerful acts of God came forth. Considering that even though he was resistant to God's will, he offered four different compromises in the face of these acts of God. And, and in the end, what we'll read is that he was ultimately forced to release God's people. He had no power to stand against God, to resist God. But once again, God's intent for Pharaoh by the demonstration of his power, just like God's intent for Egypt as a nation, was not to destroy him. God had no desire to destroy Pharaoh. Rather, God's desire was for Pharaoh, or for Pharaoh, and for the Egyptian people, was ultimately for them to know him. That was God's desire. To know them, to know him as their Lord. And this was something that God had first declared back in chapter 7, verse 17. And that would be reiterated or restated throughout this whole conflict, through all this time that we see where Moses would go before Pharaoh and declare these things. But more importantly, this coming to know God was something that the Hebrew people were also in need of. And this was another reason for why God was striking Egypt with these demonstrations of his power. In fact, this was a message that God had given to Moses when he had first sent him to Egypt to deliver his people. And in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, God had said this. He said, therefore, speaking to Moses, he says, therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with my great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Again, then you shall know. Then you shall know. This is what God's speaking to his people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from the from under the burdens of Egypt. In, in light of this, we need to understand because what God wants to do this morning is the same thing that he wanted to do with Egypt and Pharaoh and his people, is to make himself known. And God desires to make himself known to us this morning, even more intimate and personal way than he has perhaps in the past. And we need to understand that that God's stated and repeated purpose for these demonstrations of his power was ultimately to make himself known. And I point this out with the understanding that this knowing of God is a type of knowing that comes, the Bible tells us and teaches, through a personal experience. It's just not the knowing of God or the knowing of someone in that kind of sense that God desired for the Egyptians and Pharaoh and his people to come to that kind of understanding or for us. God desired for them and God desires for us to come to know him through personal experience. It's what he desires today. Because knowing God through personal experience, among other things, it removes any excuse that keeps us from acknowledging God as Lord. When we know God through personal experience, we're left without any doubts on to whether or not he is the Lord. We may not submit to him as Lord, but we're left without any doubt. And truthfully, God does this because he desires for us to submit our lives to him and to his authority and, and, and as Lord of our lives. In Pharaoh, he was without excuse. He was without excuse as he suppressed the truths that God made known to him, and sadly, the Egyptian people suffered the consequences. And now in, verse, in chapter 9, if you'll follow there with me, we read about this fifth plague, a consequence, if you will, for a hardened heart. And in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the, the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. 
For if you refuse to let them go and still hold on, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep with a very severe pestilence, a disease. And the Lord will make a difference, verse 4, between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And in verse 6, So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died, but of the livestock of the children of Israel not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So we see really a reoccurring theme with each one of these plagues that we read about and are reading about where God keeps sending Moses back with the same message to let my people go, and Pharaoh keeps hardening heart, his heart. So this fifth plague, like the others we have read about, began with Moses going back with this command or a demand. And then it followed As we've also seen in the past, and we even get more detail here this time, it followed with a warning. A warning where Moses told Pharaoh in verse 2 that if he refused, or if he continued to refuse God's demand, then God was going to strike Egypt once again. And this time, the livestock of Egypt would be given a severe pestilence that would kill them all. According to verse 5, Pharaoh was even given a countdown this time, a time frame within which he had to make up his mind or he had to take action. A specific time on the following day where it says God would do as he had promised if Pharaoh refused to keep God's command. And like Pharaoh had previously done, he ignored God's warning. And not only did he ignore the warning, he once again defied God's command. And when the appointed time came past in verse 6, it simply tells us this, that the Lord did this thing. However, it's important for us to notice, and it's mentioned here, but it's something to draw out, something to look at and go, what's going on here? Because what we see in here is, is, is that the livestock of Egypt, even though the livestock of Egypt died, not even one of the children of Israel's animals died. And, and this promise that God had made to spare his people from these plagues, this was the second time that God had told Pharaoh this is what he would do, in that he, Pharaoh, and the Egyptian people would be affected by these judgments or these outpourings of God's power, but yet his people would be protected. And the first time that God had spoke this promise, he did so saying that he would set the land of Goshen where his people were dwelling, a place within the land of Egypt. Back in chapter 8, verse 22, he would set them apart. And we know that that was, that was first mentioned or first spoken about in regards to the plague of the flies. And that was a miraculous thing because flies, when they come into something, they pretty much go wherever they want to go. Yet God interacted and intervened in another supernatural way and and setting his people apart. And this same setting apart where the Lord said he was making a distinction or a division between the Egyptians and his people, it's evident in all five of the remaining plagues. And I point this out because... Setting apart, this setting apart that we're reading about, which we have read about and which we will continue to read about, this setting apart where the Lord said he was making a distinction, a difference, he says, or a division between Egypt and his, and his people, this, 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 what God does here is it gives us a picture of God's grace because God's grace is God's unmerited favor. It's a picture of God's grace. And the same grace or the same unmerited favor that we have received as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is evident when we remember, we talked about this when we first introduced the book of Exodus and began to study through it. We remember that that Egypt is symbolic of the world. Not just of the world, but of the world system. The way things take place as people cast God out of their lives. 
And we need to remember that Israel's deliverance and their exodus out of Egypt is a picture of the same deliverance that we've received through our faith in Jesus, who, according to Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, tells us that Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present age. The same kind of separation, the same kind of division. As a matter of fact, that word in the New Testament in the Greek, which comes from the this this which also is 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 spoken of here, this division, this difference that, that translates into a Hebrew word, both means or both puts forth this idea of redemption. And when we consider that God, according to verse 4, made a difference or that he made a division between his people and the Egyptians, ultimately what was going on here is it should have been a sign or it was a sign, it was an evidence to Pharaoh that the Hebrew people belonged to him in a very special way. Remember when, when Moses first came to, 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 to Pharaoh and, and God made, he spoke the command that, that God had given to him, he, Pharaoh said, who is this God that I should heed what he has said? And, and, and Pharaoh considered the Egyptian people, or Pharaoh considered the Hebrew people to be his, his slaves. And yet God was coming and demanding that his people, the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, be set free. And so when God was distinguishing them, when he was differentiating them through these plagues and sparing them, God was pointing out that they're not yours, Pharaoh's. They're mine. And it's the same thing that God does for us. But Pharaoh wouldn't acknowledge this fact. He wouldn't acknowledge this fact even though he had sent his servants to investigate the conditions to see if it was true. And I find that interesting because obviously Pharaoh was listening to what God had spoken to him. And the evidence was there. He went to see if it was true. And yet, even in the face of the truth, he hardened his heart because the servants found the Hebrew people untouched. He, they, found, he found, they found them set apart from the effects of the plague just like Moses had predicted. And rather than submit to the truth, rather than to receive what God had said, rather than humble himself and submit to God's will, Pharaoh once again did not let the people go. And so in verse 8, it says that the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it towards the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And verse 9, it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. It will cause boils that break out in sores on man and on beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses scattered them towards heaven, and they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians, these same sorcerers of Pharaoh, who were able to duplicate some of these things, and even in last week as we read through chapter 8, they, 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 they not being able to duplicate um, what God had done, testified, even these guys who had testified um, the fact that, that God had done this work, at this point, they were not even able to stand, it says, before Pharaoh or before Moses because of the boils. For the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. On the magicians and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, I want to point out that this is the second time that um, God had sent a plague, now one of five, but this is the second time that God had sent a plague, uh, excuse me, one of six, uh, without any warning. There were times we see where God had sent Moses back, and Moses would, would say, hey, this is what God's going to do. He would speak the command, and he would give the warning. But this time, we don't see that. God acted without giving Pharaoh, if you will, an additional chance to accept or reject his demand to let his people go. And the first time we read about this was back in chapter 8. And if you remember, it was with the third plague, that plague of lice that was sent, those biting, blood-sucking insects that was sent after the plague of frogs. But if you remember, Pharaoh, with the plague of frogs, he had made a deal, right? He called Moses back, he had summoned, and he made a deal and said, okay, if you intercede for me, 
And, 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 and if God removes these frogs, then I will agree to let the people go. He had made a deal. But once the, the frogs were gone, Pharaoh broke his deals, the deal that he made. In both of these instances, we see that God had sent another plague following the one that Pharaoh did not heed without demand and without warning because Pharaoh had not heeded the warning, because he had ignored God's demand, because he had hardened his heart to the truth that had been made known to him. In both instances, what is, what is key, what is similar is, is there's an acknowledgement. This with the servants that were sent to see if in fact what God said would happen with the people in Goshen, his people, was true. And then previously where the frogs were removed upon the request. But both of these things, there was this measure of understanding that Pharaoh knew what the truth was. In light of this, we should see that the unannounced plagues that followed each one of these where where Pharaoh recognized some of the truth, um, what we need to see is that that, that, that these unannounced plagues were a continued consequence of the refusal to let God's people go. And I point this out because it's important to understand um, that this was the case lest we interpret these additional plagues that were given without warning and given without demand as some kind of angry act of retaliation on God. In other words, that God was just sick of it and he was tired of it and he's going, okay, I'm just going to afflict you some more. When in reality, that wasn't the case. And when in reality, each one of these plagues that followed, the plague of the lice and now the, 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 the plague that caused these boils, they too were another merciful and gracious opportunity for Pharaoh to soften his heart so that he might receive and obey what God would say the next time Moses returned. Because in this place, at this time, it was obvious that Moses' heart had not changed. And I point this out, guys, because truthfully, for us who are believers, God's discipline towards us is often manifested in the same way. What God did here in regards to his discipline or the principle of discipline in our own lives is often manifested in the same way. In other words, we know that God calls us to walk into, in obedience to his will. He calls us to walk in obedience to his ways. In fact, in calling us to walk in obedience to his will and his ways, God always mercifully warns us about what will happen if we harden our hearts, if we resist him. And even though the specifics of each call to obedience are different, the underlying message from God is always the same. And the message is to keep his command so that it might go well with us. Always. Nevertheless, there are those times when we ignore God's warnings, when we disobey his commands, when we rebel, and as a result, we receive God's discipline, which according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, may be painful, it says in the moment, but yet it's designed to produce this peaceable fruit of righteousness for those, it says, who have been trained by it. But the fact of the matter is, is if you're like me, there are times when we still refuse to obey, even in the face of the discipline. We fail to obey. We fail, we fail to yield to God's righteous ways, even though we've been painfully disciplined. We've hardened our hearts. We continue in our sinful ways. And in those moments, it's unlikely that God is going to restate what he's already asked us to do. Because it's not an issue of ignorance at that point. For Moses, it wasn't an issue of ignorance. He knew. Furthermore, God's not going to warn us about the consequences once again. Rather, it's more likely that out of his love for us, God will allow for the painful discipline to continue. To continue working on our hearts as he allows for us to reap in times those things what we have sown in order that our hearts might become soft towards him. That we would relent. More importantly, that we would repent. That we would turn away and turn towards him. 
this was God's desire for Pharaoh, is that he would relent, that he would repent. Yet, because of Pharaoh, yet because of Pharaoh, because of the fact that Pharaoh continued in the state of hard-heartedness, God sent another plague, the sixth plague that afflicted the people with boils, and it broke out into sores, painful sores. And um, when you look that word up in the Hebrew, it really describes an uh, open weeping wound, not pleasant. And yet, covered with sores, he still would not yield. This reminds me of a verse in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1, it says this. This is a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Does that not define Pharaoh? A man who remains stiff-necked, hard-hearted after many rebukes, will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. And sadly, this was the path that Pharaoh had set his feet to. And because of this, we read that the worst was still yet to come. And in verse 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, so again, God's mercy, God's grace, speaking the message again, followed by a warning. Thus the Lord, of God, the Lord God of the Hebrews says, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, excuse me, for he says, for at, verse 14, for at that time I will send all all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all of the earth. Verse 14 is key. If, if you underline scripture in your Bible, underline that. Or, or like John Corson says, underline your friend's Bible. Verse 15, now if I have stretched out my hand and I have struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name be declared, may be declared in all the earth. And yet, verse 17, you exalt yourself against me in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause a very heavy hail to rain down. Such as not, has not been in Egypt since its foundation until now. Therefore send, therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field. For the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. Verse 20, he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, made his servants and livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there that there may be hail in the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod towards heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt and all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only, verse 26, in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. Wow, right? The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thunder and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out, of the city I will spread out my hand to the Lord, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the Lord, the earth is the Lord's. But, this is interesting, for as you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. You ever been in that spot with somebody where you just know 
You know, this is an important thing for us to look at because Moses still acted in obedience to what God would have him do, even though he doubted in his heart the sincerity of Pharaoh. And guys, we have to remember that we're not God. We're not the judge. You see, we have all had relationships with people, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a coworker, a loved one, a son, a daughter, a spouse, somebody in our life who we've poured into time and time and time again the truth. And maybe when their life has fallen apart, they come to us and, and we help them out once again and we speak the truth of God to their lives and we love them where they're at and, and, and only to have them to recount or recant or to go back to that place where they had once been. And in those moments, in those times, we, we, we brace for when it'll happen again. And we may even say in our hearts, in our minds, we go, I'm not going to do that ever again. I know what they're going to do. They're going to do just like what they have always done. And I'm not saying that God may, in that next time, tell you, hey, don't do that anymore with them. But the fact of the matter is, is we don't get to be the judge of that. We get to be the tool that is used by God in, ever, in whatever way that he sees fit. And for Moses, that was the case. He and his companions, his servants, he knew, Moses knew that, that, that Pharaoh and his servants, that they, were, they, were, they, they had not yet come to a, a true fear of the Lord. That he knew that they were just wanting to get out of the trouble that they were in. Yet, he interceded for Pharaoh again. And it says in verse 31, Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they, were, they are late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured out on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. And he hardened his heart, and he and his servants. So, so the heart of Pharaoh was hard, and neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken. Now, when God told Moses in verse 14, if you look back there with me, when he told Moses in verse 14 to go tell Pharaoh that he was now sending all of his plagues to his heart, we need to see that something's changed. That's different. That's not like what we've read up to now. And this is further revealed when God went on to say this. He said, he said so that you may know there is none like me in all the earth. And even though knowing God... On, 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 this, on this particular level was still a purpose for the remainder of these four plagues that God was now going to send into Pharaoh's heart, we see that something had changed in regards to this kind or this type of knowing that is being spoken of or that God was going to make known to Pharaoh about himself. And this is further revealed in light of the Hebrew word that is used here, and it is the word yada. And that word literally means, listen, it means this, to be instructed to know, or more specifically, to be made to know, to be made to know. In other words, when all this began, Pharaoh had invited, had been, in a sense, he had been invited to come and know God as the Lord, as God revealed himself to be the one true God who was Lord over all. But because Pharaoh had repeatedly hardened his heart up to this point and suppressed the truth over and over again that had been made known to him, God was now going to make Pharaoh know that he was the Lord over all. And he was going to make Pharaoh come to know that he, God, would have his way no matter what Pharaoh believed and no matter what Pharaoh did to resist God's commands. In other words, what Pharaoh believed, this is what was going on here. In other words, what Pharaoh believed, it did not change who God is or change the fact that Pharaoh was accountable to God for the things that he did. 
he would be made to know. And sadly, there are still many other people like Pharaoh who do the same thing, who suppress the truth of who God is that has been plainly made known to them. However, their denial of who God is and their refusal to acknowledge them as Lord does not change the truth or mean that God won't hold them accountable for what has been made known to them. Just because an atheist does not believe there is a God does not mean that there is not God. And it does not mean that he is not Lord overall, even though they do not allow him to be the Lord of their life. God is still God, and he is still the Lord who rules and reigns over all. And like Pharaoh, there will come a day when even those who have suppressed the truth, there will come a day when those who have hardened their hearts and refused God to be their Lord, there's coming a day, the Bible tells us, when they too will be made to bow their knee and give an account. See, God invites us. He woos us into a love relationship with Him. To that place where we want to surrender our lives and live in submission to Him as Lord because we see it as a good thing, as a loving thing. And so we bow our knee, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord, willingly. But the truth is, all at some point will bow their knee, just like with Pharaoh. At some point, there was coming a time when God would put these plagues into his heart, into his hard heart, that yet he would still bow his knee. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he writes about this in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 13, when he, when he quoted from the prophet Isaiah, the words that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said this, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now with that being established, the Lord went on to give another warning to Pharaoh. And the warning that God gave to Pharaoh about the hail that he was going to rain down was the fifth warning that had been spoken to him. And, it, and, and, and clearly, by far, it was the longest. It was the most detailed. But before Moses went into all the details of the plague of the hail that would come if Pharaoh refused, he told God, or he told Pharaoh in verse 15, really interesting that it's here. We talked about it last week a little bit. He, 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 he pointed out to Pharaoh, he, he, he told Pharaoh about the restraint and the mercy that God had already shown him up to this point. Saying that if God had wanted to, he could have given Pharaoh what he deserved. Right? He says, up to this point, Pharaoh, God could have given you what you deserved. He could have stretched out his hand by now and cut you and your people from the earth. But in his mercy, God did not give Pharaoh what he deserved. God, in his mercy, does not give us what we deserve. And the knowledge of this should fill our hearts with a gratitude. And Pharaoh should have been grateful when he heard this. But we know that he was not grateful and he continued to resist. But even though Pharaoh continued to resist, if you look over to verse 30, we see that not all the Egyptian people followed his lead. I mean, this blows my mind that you have this kind of warning, this kind of detail with all this evidence leading up to now, all these plagues that have come to pass, that exactly what Moses said God would do, God did. And yet with this new message where God says, hey, I'm going to hail down I'm going to bring down hail and fire, which would be lightning, and it's going to destroy everything that is in the field. Don't you think that you would at least go, well, maybe that's going to happen, so just in case, I'm going to bring my servants and my livestock in. I mean, I think about that with people who completely reject the Lord, and, 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 and I'm thinking, what do you have to lose? Heaven, Hell. But yet that's how it is when we harden our hearts against God or when we choose sin, our sinful ways over God's way. It's, it's like rolling the dice on a roulette table and, and hoping it's gambling. 
And these people, even though they had, had been told the truth, they, they, they wanted to roll the dice and take their chances apart from living in submission and obedience to God. And maybe it wasn't even an issue of, of submission and obedience. At this point, it was just an issue of belief or unbelief. Did they believe that this was going to happen? And if they did believe, if they feared the Lord like some were told who did, feared the word of the Lord here, they would have done what the others had did. But they didn't. Even though some did. Some feared the word of the Lord and did as Moses had warned. And they brought their servants and their livestock out of the field. And when, when God then told Moses to stretch out his hand against, again uh, towards the sky, we're told that the hail and lightning began to strike the ground. And yet, these people who heeded the warning, who feared the word of God, their servants and their animals were spared. You know what this is? This is an awesome reminder for us. This is an awesome reminder for us that no matter who we are and no matter what we've done, it's never too late to make a decision to fear the word of the Lord. It's never too late. And I love that reminder because I've run into people before who said, told me, he says, you don't know, they said, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know the things that I've done. I've done things that are so terrible that God would not and could not forgive. But the fact that these Egyptians feared the word of the Lord, that they heeded the warning, and that they took action, and God spared their servants and their livestock is a, is, 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 is a testimony to us that it's never too late. It's never too late to make a decision to do what God has commanded. It's never too late, in other words, to put our trust in Him and be saved from what is coming. Remember Jesus said in John 6, verse 37, is all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Jesus told a parable once about a landowner, a farmer, who was hiring laborers to come and work in his field. And he hired these laborers, you guys know the parable, some early in the morning, some in midday, and some at the end of the day when there was only just a little bit time left to work. And at the end of the day when the harvest had been collected and it was time for these laborers to be paid the 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 the, the farmer lined them all up and he paid them each the same amount and of course in the parable we know the ones that worked all day long were offended hey right i mean rightfully so in that kind of sense if you put in 1 hours worth of work and, 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 and another person put in a full day's worth of work, you would expect to get more wages than the one who put in the hour's worth of work, right? But what Jesus was telling his disciples, those who were following him, mean, he was giving them a picture of this very thing that we're talking about here and how the kingdom of heaven is different than the world of men, the kingdom of men. And when it comes to salvation and being saved from the debt that we owe and receiving eternal life and the promise of eternal life and the rewards of eternal life, that that Jesus was saying it's different. And that even if you come to him and have spent so much time sitting on the sidelines, so much time resisting God, fighting against him, hardening your heart, rebelling against him, it's never too late to receive the reward that he has earned and purchased for you. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. It's never too late. Now even though there were some who heeded God's warning, it's clear that Pharaoh, along with many other of his people, did not. And when the hail and lightning came, all those who were in the field were struck and killed, servant and animal alike. Once again, the only place where this killer storm was not striking was in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were. But when Pharaoh saw 
this mighty storm and its devastation that it was bringing to his land. Even while the storm was continuing, we don't know how long this went on for, but it was enough time for Moses and Aaron to be summoned back that he called them so that something could be done. So something could be done for him. And this was something that, of course, we know Pharaoh had already done in the midst of the plague back in chapter 8, verse 8, with the frogs, and it was something that he will still do again in chapter 10, verse 16. However, this time we see that Pharaoh, for a moment of time, set aside his pride. For a moment of time, he acknowledged the justice of God. For a moment of time, he admitted that he had sinned. However, we see from this confession of his that it was insincere because it did not lead him into the place of obedience, did it? It led him to the place where he'd make a proclamation of obedience, but yet he would not obey. And in the end, we see that all Pharaoh really wanted was to be delivered from this terrible storm. You know, Moses was sitting on the sideline and we talked about it. He goes, I know what you're up to, Pharaoh. You just want things to be better for you. You don't want to live in submission to God. You yet do not fear God. And clearly Pharaoh still did not want God's will for his life, nor did he want to submit to God as his his Lord. Yet, in God's grace, did God know this? Yeah, God knew these things. But yet in God's grace, he once again answered Moses' prayer and stopped the plague. I'm here to tell you I've been in that spot. I've been in that place. Pharaoh's heart is like my heart. My heart is like Pharaoh's heart. In that, as soon as the relief from the storm was found, Pharaoh broke the promise that he had made and he would not let Israel go. Justin, we're going to end with this if you and Debbie want to come back up. There's a proverb that comes to mind. I remember the first time that I heard it. It was shortly after I was saved and I was struggling with my own addictions to drugs and alcohol still in my life as a new believer. That's the life that the Lord saved me from and everything that goes along with that. A a, a lifestyle for many, many years. And when I gave my life to the Lord, that way of life didn't automatically just poof, go away. The Lord was working on me and doing these things where He would allow for consequences to come into my life. Where hard things would happen. Where discipline would come in as a result of the choices that I was making. I didn't want to do those things, but at the same time, I was unwilling to let go of them. I wanted, like we talked about last, last week, I wanted the frogs to be gone, but yet I wanted them at the same time, just one more day, tomorrow. And I remember my pastor, Pastor Steve, as I was battling with these things and struggling with, with that fight in my own heart, in my own mind, in my own life, and he read this Proverbs Proverb chapter 26, verse 11. He says, As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. As a dog returns to his own vomit. And the idea there is, is you've seen it, you guys know. I mean, it's gross. Dog will puke, and the next thing you know, if you don't prevent it from doing so, it'll turn around, and lots of times it'll lap it right up. But it's a picture of sin. It's a picture of what Pharaoh is doing. It's a picture of what we do in regards to our own lives. Where where we vomit, have this vomit in our lives. And rather than turn away from it, rather than flee from it, we go back. And so, as a fool, we repeat our folly. Now, Pharaoh was right, guys. He was right to call out to God for deliverance when he was in the midst of this life-threatening storm. And we should. One of the best prayers to pray in those times is a single-word prayer, help. And I'm sure you all, like me, have been in that spot where you've prayed that prayer, help. But you know what? Pharaoh, even though he was right, he was a fool for refusing to submit to God. Yet I think that all of us can relate to this kind of foolish behavior in where... We perhaps will enter into one of the storms of life because there are storms of this life that just come upon us that, that, has, that is no, 
no, no consequence or result of anything that we've done, just difficulties of life. Or more so, we enter into a storm that has come as a result of our own hard-heartedness towards God. And in those moments, what do we do? We call out to God and we ask to be rescued. And more times than not, if you're like me, we make these promises. These promises like Pharaoh to do what God has said. But as soon as we feel the relief from the storm, as soon as the hail stops falling, the lightning stops striking, as soon as we feel the release or the relief from the storm, we fail to do what we have promised. And I know that this is something that goes on in our lives today to some degree, to some measure. But yet it's not the way that God would have us live. See, these storms, whether they're from our own sinful consequences or the storms of life, they're going to come. But rather than call out to God in the midst of the storm, asking to be delivered and then being tempted to go back to the same place that we have just been delivered from, we're better off to heed the words of Jesus who said this in Luke chapter 6. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you what he is like. He is like a man who has built a house and he has dug down deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the floods rise and the storms, if you will, life comes, this, 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 the stream beats vehemently against that house, the one that was built on the foundation, on the rock. Those who have kept Christ's words, it says, it could not be shaken, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which the streams beat vehemently, and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You see, guys, the Lord is speaking to us, I think, this morning through Pharaoh, through his word, through that example, to not be like Pharaoh. The storms are going to come. And whether they're a storm of, 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 of just being a Christian in this world, it's better to have built upon the rock of Jesus Christ in obedience to what he has said, or whether it's a storm that comes as a result of the consequence of disobedience, it's always better when the storm has passed to follow and do and establish our lives upon the things that Jesus has spoken to us. To not recount, to not doubt, to not return to that vomit and repeat the folly once again. Father, I thank you, God, that you are a God who is gracious towards us, that you give us unmerited favor like you gave the people, the children of Israel there, the Hebrew people while they were in Egypt, that you separate them, that you set them apart. And God, we know that you've separated us. You've set us apart. And in doing so, Lord, you've spoken truth to us. And in doing so, you've placed your Holy Spirit in us. And in doing so, God, you've forgiven us of our sins and yet, God, you call us every day, you woo us every day to follow after you. You give us reason after reason to submit our lives to you. And I, I want to pray, God, that if anyone who is here this morning is in finding themselves in the midst of a hard thing as a result of a sinful choice that they made, or maybe they're dealing with the fallout from that, God, as they are now building their life upon you and have forsaken those things. I pray, God, that you would strengthen each person here according to the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word to not go back to that way of living, to that way of life, to those sinful things. God, we know that, that it's not easy following after you, that, 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 that it is hard, but we know, Lord, that um, that's where the greatest reward is found, the greatest joy, the, 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 the ability to endure and stand no matter how hard it gets. And so, Lord, as we come to you in those times and we cry out with that prayer of help, help God, help Lord, we would pray and see, first of all, of how gracious you've been to us and that you would fill our hearts with gratitude as we know, God, that you will continue to intercede on our behalf, that you will not leave us, that you will not forsake us. 
Lord, I also want to pray for anyone here this morning who may be struggling or battling with just trusting you for the very first time as their Lord. And God, maybe you have spent some time revealing yourself to them like you had spent some time revealing yourself to Pharaoh with words that have been spoken, with things that have happened to them in their lives that that can only be um, attributed to you, that cannot be dismissed away away by chance or circumstance. And God, as, as they have had these things take place in their life and as you have made yourself known to them, God, up to this place, up to this point, maybe they've hardened their heart against you. And I want to pray, Lord, that this story, this account of Pharaoh would reach further into their heart